Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Woke Blokes Podcast. Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing here, joined as always by Nick Sutherland from MindFit, just in the serene surroundings of Agnes Waters. If you're just listening or jump on YouTube and have just a quick little look at, at Nick's background, it's just just gorgeous, mate. Just the the faint sounds of some birds chirping in the background, your doggo's there sniffing around. It's just, just beautiful, mate. So, like the sun, you know, when the sun, the beams just coming through the branches of the trees and the leaves and they're cutting through and just dancing off your cheek, you know, that's what it feels like. Because right now here in Melbourne, it's fucking cold and it's fucking cloudy. So it looks really nice up there. I think the word you're looking for is dappling, dappling sun. Uh, go on, educate me. What does that word mean? <laughs> I've heard the word. Go on. Heard the word. Oh my God, you look dapper. I hear that a lot. Mm. Yeah, it's the dappling sun, you know, when the sun breaks through the the canopy of the of the bush and it just, just sort of reaches the ground and it's just dappling. It's just like tum, 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 tum. let's see if you're making that up. The dappling sun. I'm gonna look at it. Look it up. All right. Uh meanwhile, I'll uh Remind listeners that uh, today is the third um, episode of the Master Series. So we've got four four episodes in the Master Series, and this is the third one. Ryan's taking the, the reins today after I had... We might do more. Um, hey? We might do, you know, let's do, we'll do two each, we'll get the four, and then if you want to keep going, like, why not? We'll just see oh, how... Why not? All right, well, okay, we'll just... Change everything we planned on the spot, why don't you? Digging it, you know, people. Well, and and, you know, we 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 had the hundredth episode last episode, so we're back to square one. We're back to number one now. One hundred and one. I I was coming up with a a deadly dappling mushroom, so I'm just going to leave my research there for now. (laughs) (laughs) Some sort of poisonous shroom. So, yes, the Masters series today. And in the spirit of the Wokes Blokes podcast, I can't even say the fucking word probably. In the spirit of the Woke Blokes podcast, um, I have done zero preparation for this episode, even though it's one of the Masters that I am bringing up. And, you know, I really should know a fair bit about him anyway, um, or her. Mm -hmm, We don't know. Now it's a him today. So we're going to go with Don Miguel Ruiz. And I, I'm only now just remembering, actually, we actually did a uh, a full episode on the four agreements, didn't we? Very early on. I did. We did, yes. Yeah. So I don't want to talk so much about those specifically because I find that uh, he's written a bunch of different books and I rate, you know, a lot of his other books higher than the four agreements. He obviously gets the most um, press and, and probably the most, you know, bought book around the world. But um, like with anything, if I read a book, if I come across a book, and all of a sudden, I really like the content has some sort of impact on my life and I'm able to apply it in a certain way. Then I'll start to look into what else that author has done and start to research them and sort of go deep with their teachings. And he was one of the ones where, because oftentimes when someone has a really successful book or whatever uh, content it is, you'll kind of find that that's kind of their, their magnum opus. That's their big thing. And 
you know, some of them have some really deep teachings. Other people are like a one-hit wonder, you know, like uh, who sung My Sharona, The Knack. They'd be like The Knack, you know, that was their, their one thing that came out of them and the rest is a little bit rubbish. But um, with Don Miguel, the more that I jumped into his work, he's definitely not The Knack of personal and spiritual development. <laughs> Shout out to the knack. Sorry if it's throwing under the bus. Imagine, like, yeah, so like 70 year old, you know, bass player. 70. He mails <laughs> in and he's like, he can't. How dare you even say that? <laughs> I was really enjoying your podcast. That's a fucking you. Personal. <laughs> what, have you what, what have you done? What's your magnus opus? Yeah, that's right. What, this podcast? That hasn't got to <laughs> one like the bloody My Sharona did. Um, anyway, sorry to offend you bass player from the knack um so don miguel ruiz we're going to jump into today and i actually haven't you know read any of his books in quite a few years now um but i think he is really worth talking about because he's someone who to me represents someone with very deep teachings you know you'd call him a very spiritual man he is of the ancient toltec uh traditions which I think are some of the, the greatest traditions around the world, but also the more that I've engaged and seen him. Into- why? why? Why do you think they're some of the greatest traditions? <laughs> why Toltec ones are? Because they're grounded. <laughs> I've never heard you mention the Toltec. I've never. Just, just for that to slide off your tongue so seamlessly was. Well, look, I was think gold. It, it's very grounded spirituality, which is something that right. I very much of the um, persuasion as well. Um, so no, I haven't had my Toltec hat on for the last hundred episodes, but a lot of what I've said has been very Toltec. Oh, it's in there. It's in there. It's just, it's just subtle. It's subtle. So uh, about your, what your first, uh, I've only just told you that we're going to talk about Don Miguel uh, Ruiz today. So what are your, what are your mm. initial thoughts on him and, and, and his impact? Well, before I dive into that, just quickly, to dapple is to dot with blotches of colour or light, the way the sunlight dapples the leaves of trees in the summertime. So there you go. So dapple. The Don, the old Don, Don, Don. Um, Obviously, so so when I first started studying, so I'd, I'd sort of had my... At the beginning, well, yeah, sort of part of my metanoia, I suppose. Um, I, I had a client the other day say that her and her husband, um, they've noticed their relationship wasn't sustainable. So they're building a new one, and she very deliberately said they're not they're choosing not to use the word rebuild because that wouldn't seem like they're going to rebuild something of similar fashion so i loved i love that they're just building so in the metanoia uh, when i was building the new version of me or constructing the new version of me um the four agreements was the first book that uh was part of that process so i'd, I'd been spiraling for eight years hit that rock bottom couldn't leave the house suicidal drinking all that stuff uh and then had gone and gotten some help and you know, it was a new dawn, um, and yeah, I, I, I started studying hypnotherapy as my first modality, and uh, one of the 
student teachers in there actually, and I got on really well. And he he handed me the four agreements and thought I, I'd really get a lot out of it, and it was correct. So, yeah, it's sort of very close to my heart being um, being from from all those years ago. And there was such such deep grounded wisdom in it, and I think that's why I love Stoicism and Buddhism and you know, the Toltec wisdom, all, all the all the stuff that's based. It's just it's, it's so simple, it's so logical, it's so rational. It's just you can feel it. You don't have to think it. It's, it's, it connects with you on that deeper level. And, you know, something I love about Don Miguel is that, you know, he does embody this. He does live and breathe it and he's not just a one-hit wonder. Um, I've gone back to back to some of his other books as well. Um, I love the audio books and, you know, the... Um, yeah, it, it's just he the way he delivers it, um, is very it, it's nutritious, but it's easily digestible as well. So, yeah, he had this uh, it's kind of like a childlike uh, innocence, you know, when you hear him talk and you feel like you just it's very disarming. Um, for some reason, you feel kind of safe around him. I haven't been around in person, but you know, obviously seeing him, and I took one of his online courses like maybe 2016, you know, when I was getting into his teachings quite a lot and I found he had this online course and I took it and it was these video lessons, um, which I wonder if it's still available. I've still got my notes from it from many years ago, but he has this disarming nature and he's very childlike. And I remember hearing someone who'd been to a retreat uh, of his uh, in-person one in Mexico and they said it was amazing. They were doing these hikes during the day, visiting some spiritual sites and whatnot. And he goes, he'd sit at the end of every day and watch the sunset, you know, with a glass of wine. And he said, I was just watching him. And like every night, it was like he was witnessing a sunset for the first time, like just mm. in awe sitting there. And he said, when we arrived at the retreat, um, he gave me this hug and it was like he was hugging a, a long lost loved one that he hadn't seen in years, yet he'd never met me. So this just really, like you said, somebody who walks their talk, who actually lives this stuff. And um, I remember starting this online course. It was like one of the first lessons. And in a lot of his teachings, you know, he talks about uh, the parasite, you know, which is kind of like mm. a, a mind virus. And the parasite's made up of, you know, the judge where we're judging ourselves and other people, the victim um, who gets judged by ourselves and other people. And we play these roles and he calls that the parasite that lives within us when we come, in his words, when we become domesticated as human beings, like we're these wild free animals and everything who want to love and experience and all that. But then we become domesticated by learning uh, what's right and wrong, and I'm using air quotes for those listening, and then we start to learn that when we do what's right, we'll get rewarded. When we'll do what's wrong, in the eyes of those that's love us, we'll get punished. And so we start to alter our behavior as human beings in order to avoid punishment and gain reward, and this is the domestication process. And so we start started this course, and um, he talks about how we make our life full of drama, and he goes, all right, I want you to get a bit of paper, and, and write this on the paper to start the whole course, you know, and you have to write, my name is Ryan and I'm a parasite and I create my life full of drama. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got it, I've still got it in a cupboard somewhere. I remember looking at that like every day for the next couple of weeks and I would just laugh every time that I read it because it was true. 
I'm like little little can you hear the can you hear the the and this is why all of you know we speak about there's there's many paths up the mountain. Um and so Buddhism, Stoicism, Toltec wisdom, whatever whatever floats your boat, but you can hear the similarities in all of them. So you know, we spoke about Michael Singer, uh and and then you know you speak about what um, Don Miguel gets you to do, and it, it's it's just speaking the truth. It's speaking, it, it's it's peeling it all back, and and here is the absolute truth of what is happening here. I, I do a similar thing. I get my clients. You know, I, I tell my clients that you are ignorant, incompetent, and mediocre, and presenting that to them, it it, it finds the impurities. It finds the ego. The ego. It's like an alarm clock for the ego. It wakes up real quick and gets on the defense. Or it's like, fuck you. Who are you? You don't know who I am. And blah blah. And then we unpack it a little further, and we realize that we are all making this drama, or we are all ignorant because none of us know anything. And and that's okay. It's 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 just it's fact. And that's the that's the logic and the groundedness in all of this stuff. It is just. Your ego will not like it, but that's and we're not out to destroy the ego or to to get rid of the ego, but we're out to put things pull it all apart and put it back in a way that the the awareness is is the primary leader and the in the primary role and and the ego you know plays its role, but it's a, it's a lesser role. So all of the masters that we're talking about have this wonderful ability to to put us to put us in our place really it's so true it's so true and it's why they're you know it's great then there should be so many people because they all speak it's the similar themes but it's in their own unique delivery and then that yeah. delivery will resonate with different people like i'm sure there's people that didn't resonate with me for whatever reason didn't match my filters and everything that in their words had the same stuff that you know a singer or a, or a Ruiz had but someone else will pick that up as well and be able to use it and i love not doing any research for these because as you talk it then triggers my memory of more don miguel ruiz stuff so his analogy for that and you're exactly right is that uh, he had this like uh, three-step process, I believe, and it was um, like truth, uh, gratitude, and love, or or truth, love, and gratitude. But anyway, truth was always the first step because you've got a wound, and essentially that wound is infected. So it's like a wound of the psyche, let's say. Mm. So the only way you can start to address that, and he called the truth is the scalpel. And so the scalpel will open up that wound and start to clean it out. But you have to start there, and the scalpel is the truth, and that's why he calls it a scalpel because the truth hurts, especially when it's a truth that we don't want to hear. But if we don't start with truth, we're starting from the incorrect foundation. And we don't want to hear it. It's not we don't want to hear it. The ego doesn't want to hear it because it's so revealing. You're you're revealing its imperfections, and the ego's main desire is I'm to be perfect. loved and liked. Yeah, it's to be per it's to be seen as perfect and to be loved and liked by everyone. And as soon as you reflect anything outside of those really small parameters that the ego holds onto, that's yeah. You know, so the scalpel, we the mindfit motto is everyone knows discomfort precedes success. It, it is it is it hurts. It's painful to sit there and have someone you know offer you a scalpel and say, open yourself up, peel yourself back. Doing the the Vipassana retreat, you know, ten days. They say it's surgery of the mind. It it, it is. It, you're sitting there meditating eight, nine, ten hours a day for ten days in a row. 
you get into some deep dark places man you 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 you, you find that shadow you, you you're exploring these recesses of your mind where you've never gone before and you find some funky shit in there and you've got to you know and you, you've got to cut it out you've got to get the pressure cleaner onto it and and hose it all out and it's it's amazing how you know, Ram Das talks about purifying the mind and um, Buddhism. It's all about uh, you know the, the, the finding the impurities and and getting them out. And it's amazing how pure you feel after maintaining a meditation practice for many days in a row, or doing a retreat, or or something like that. So. Um, yeah, the, all the masters have got their own sort of, as you said, ways of describing it. But the, you, you can't, you can't, you can't do anything unless you start it in the truth. You can't. It's just that pure awareness, you know. On the eightfold path in Buddhism, it's pure. You, you got to have this pure awareness of of what is reality, not what you'd prefer or not what you think or not what you'd like to hear or not what feels safe and comfortable and cozy, but it's like, where the fuck am I right now? And if, you, if you're not brave enough to go into there, then you, you, you're not going to get anywhere really. No, well, you're not, that's, you're not, I don't have the bravery to actually start the journey because that's really where it starts, doesn't it? The journey. Yeah, yes. Um, so I just found these uh, these points here. So the truth, uh, I'm just looking up real quick here. The truth will set you free. So the truth is what the scalpel, which will open the wound. Um, the second healing point is forgiveness. So once the wound is open there and we've found out the truth, we have to learn out who we have to forgive, who or what, you know, ourselves, somebody else. And that can be a process to start to work through that. But once we go with the truth, we have to learn to forgive. And that forgiveness will start to clean out the wound. And he talks about, I've brought this up a lot with clients over the years about sort of the reasons why we don't forgive. And, you know, one of the big ones is we feel like, well, if we forgive someone, then we're letting them off the hook, you know, like the, if, if we forgive them, then that gives the impression that we think it was okay, whatever happened, or we think that if we forgive something that happened to us will happen again. And so all of those aren't based once again in reality or in truth. You know, well, it's, so, it's, it's all based in fear, really. Still, it's, it's still as a an insecurity in there. Yeah, a hundred percent. And so we go about the forgiveness process, and then the third point is our self love and self compassion. When we can start to after we forgive, then actually healing that wound over with the poison he would call it. So he calls the poison in there resentment, and so resentment is what is gets these wounds uh, very much infected. And resentment, once again, towards ourselves or other people. And resentment is often what I have found over many years, just people when we can't properly express ourselves the way we want to for various reasons, then resentment tends to build up and build up and build up in our system. And resentment- I think it's, I think it's also a protective device, though. Resentment is a very sharp sword, and um, it's very good at- creating separation and putting that person over there because you don't feel safe around them. So anxiety is the primary emotion or fear is the primary emotion. And and the secondary one of um, resentment is, is a safeguard to keep us safe. So it's, it's interesting. I had a, 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 an example of this, I suppose um, with those three things is when I turned up at my mum's house, um, 
years and years ago, and and I was lost, and I don't know who I am. Which part of me is me? Which part of me is you? Which part of me is dad? Which part of me is my stepdad? And I was very, I was in a very conflicted state and very confused, and um, and I was very unhealed. And and you know, I think I've told this story, and I ended up, you know, mum just put a lot into perspective, but she also helped me into a new truth, which was uh, it wasn't my fault. All the stuff that occurred in childhood wasn't my fault. It wasn't because I was a bad kid or anything. It was just, you know, I happened to be there at the time with a, with a dad who was very unwell. So once that truth was like the scalpel and, and you know, the, the, all of these wounds that were in there, it, it opened them up and my crying sort of was like the uh, just it just flushed it all out um and then that changed all the lenses that that got rid of so much of the cloud and the the fog and the the you know i could start seeing things the truth i could start seeing things as they were and i could get into the reality of reality is Man has mental illness um, and, and is self-medicating with drugs and alcohol, um, but does love his children. Uh, he's just not able to to express it and display it. And so, in that, then I can go into forgiveness, and, and it goes beyond forgiveness. I've got an interesting relationship with forgiveness. I'm not 100 sold on it, but I, I went. It's come up a few times. Go on. Yeah, uh, so I went beyond forgiveness. I went into acceptance because forgiveness is still, for me, plays in the realm of polarity. It's still right and wrong, good and bad. There's still a bit of binary binary thinking there. So I, I go sort of beyond that, and I went into just a, a deep and unconditional acceptance that that's what it was and it wasn't about me. And, and in that space is where empathy and compassion uh, and understanding really comes to the fore. And you spend a minute in his shoes and, and think, oh, what would that have been like? And then, so you, you've opened the wound, you've cleaned the wound out, you, you, you've employed all these compassionate qualities um, to free yourself and liberate yourself. But then the self-love has to start, you know, the, the, re, the, the, the building starts from there and it's like learning to love yourself because you weren't taught how to, how to be loved or that you were loved by this primary sort of figure in your life from a, a very early age. So, um, yeah, just, I just that, that little story sort of highlights, I think, the three steps that Don Miguel talks about really succinctly. That's a real definition of metanoia as well, isn't it? Yeah. But that's a real, for those who don't know, they've joined the podcast in the last 98 episodes. We were going to call the podcast The Men of Metanoia, but I couldn't fucking say the word properly. So we just called it Woke Blokes. So, but that really is that really is the process of breaking down and rebuilding, isn't it? Because all of a sudden, it's when we go through an experience where we're no longer defined by our circumstances or what happened to us in the past, and that breaks down. And then what I found is we have to. There's this little grieving process, so we kind of grieve because it's like, you know, we can grieve the fact that maybe growing up we were scared a lot of the time, or we were angry at a lot of the time, or or whatever it was, and we can grieve that. We can grieve the fact that you know, our parents were a certain way or we were treated in a certain manner. And then we grieve that process. Then afterwards, we're kind of this, we feel like a blank slate now because now I'm not defined by my past and my circumstances. It's like I'm Nick or I'm Ryan or I'm whoever. 
all right, what am I going to do and how am I going to be and how am I going to show up in the world? And like you said, we have to learn a lot of these things and that accept, acceptance of self and self-love and and all that is is very much a part of that. And that's the rebuilding process. And we get to carve our, our sculpture anew. We, we lose all of our models. All of our models break. All of the models that we've been in, that we've learned, no longer apply um so they become redundant and and then yeah we're 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 this fresh sort of newborn baby again um and you're just like i have to tells though right yeah i've got to i've got to relearn uh, a new way of going about it and and it's so liberating and it's so oh you know and and there was so much resentment for, for many years and I was harboring that and carrying that within me and, and that was poisoning me from the inside and, and you know, it, my dad was dead. Like it wasn't affecting him anymore. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't touching him. It was just, it was hurt, harming me and all of my other relationships. And um, so uh, getting that poison out of me, um, you know, I called it septicemia of the emotions. It was just affecting so many different parts of me and, and finally getting that out of my system um, was very cathartic and, and, and liberating. And yeah, you stand there and, you know, you suddenly find yourself loving this man uh, and <laughs> you're like, how the fuck did this happen? You know, yes, last week I was all, oh, I even hate my middle name. I didn't even know that we shared the same middle name, but I hated, I detested my middle name for some reason. I, I didn't consciously understand why. And then, you know, I learned that we had the same middle name. I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool. I really like it. And you're like, what? And you're still sort of in this confused state. There's, it takes a while for things to recalibrate. Um, yeah. and, and, and but that that's where the self love and that gentle awareness and, and compassion towards the self is just you've really got to nurture yourself through that that whole experience. You know, funny that we we can like learn to hate just a series of letters arranged in a certain order. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the association with them. It's, it's the, the meaning it's the, we give, right? That's what. Yes, yeah, the, the applied meaning. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah we talk about fuckers, it a lot about. We're so funny. We're talking about in our practitioner training, uh, we talk about resourcing. So it's cultivating the sense of being okay and being supported and, and feeling safe. And we'll, we can talk about the, because people are like, well, what's a good resource to use, an image or a symbol? And it's like, well, that's like a fingerprint, isn't it? It's like if I bring up the image of Jesus, you know, to a Christian, an avid Christian, then they'll automatically kind of feel held and feel okay and, you know, feel warm and, okay, yeah, that's our saviour. If I bring it up to someone who had a horrible upbringing in a religious school and they were judged and condemned and everything, they'll get fucking angry, you know, uh, you know, bring to mind the, the image of Jesus. And it's like, well, is there something good or bad with the image of Jesus? No, no. We'll just it give just it is. It just is. It's a man. It's a picture. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah the the narrative and the story and the, the the association that we have with it so really really important to that's and this is doing the work it's it's why you know the, those like don miguel and ram Dass and everyone are, are so important because they teach us that there is a path we can take to i had a, another client the other day say that uh, she spoke about her partner and the 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 authentic version of them who she could see and she was trying to reach was encased, uh, had been encased for many years in this 
suit of armor and this protective laser with all the walls up and it was prescription. And as I think now I talk to clients about the authentic self and, and that is a, a that is just our natural state and, and we are naturally compassionate, we are naturally loving, we are naturally open and giving and sharing. But through life experiences when we, we don't have the resources to to not take things personally or to to not to, to understand that uh, the way that that person's acting towards me says more about them than it says about me or you know we've got nothing to to associate it to in a healthy way we are sort of these layers of protection do build up and build up so so doing this work and finding the beautiful work of, of don miguel and just the simplicity of it the four agreements like these are four little things it's it's, it's not rocket science it's not fucking anything it's above like, or beyond like, what anyone can grasp is it is uh, that I said rocket science would have way more than four agreements, I reckon. That's <laughs> the whole manual. Um, yeah, so yeah. this quote of Don Miguel's in terms of, of taking things personally, and it relates to what we've been talking about with these wounds of the psyche. It says, uh, but it is not what I am saying that is hurting you. It is that you have wounds that I touch by what I have said. You are hurting yourself. There is no way I can take this personally. You know, so those kind of things we're talking about. And the relationship thing that you spoke a little bit about earlier, you know, was, you know, The Mastery of Love is probably my favorite book of his. That um, was his second book. The first one was The Four Agreements. The second one was The Mastery of Love. And then uh, The Fifth Agreement came out. Yeah, that was, that, uh, yeah, that was a good one. Um, he's got The, 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 the top, Voice of Knowledge. Holtec Art of uh, Living and Dying. Um, that was really interesting, that one, because all of his other books, they're pretty short, succinct. His teachings are very to the point. That was a bigger book and actually told the story. He had a heart failure, um, ended up having to have a heart transplant um, and, and nearly die. And he spoke about his experience of, of nearly dying and the the visions that he had. And he was visiting memories from his past and visiting um, though the elders, uh, you know, his granddad and everything who'd passed in these visions. It's really really different uh, and really interesting book so that's- i haven't read it i haven't I've, I've sort of done the four agreements the mastery of love um the fifth agreement um uh, i'm just looking at some of the other ones here like the the seven secrets for happy healthy relationships that sounds great um but yeah the toltec art of, of life and death so yes yeah, plenty plenty to dive into there yeah he says here, you know to become masters of love we have to practice love the art of relationship is also a whole mastery and the only way to reach mastery is with practice. And, you know, you've brought up a couple of client examples with relationship and I see it all the time and it's such a big, you know, we speak about wounds, like a relationship is the biggest revealer uh, of those wounds that we mm. have. And um, if both partners, you know, are committed to growth and doing the work, then it's a wonderful opportunity to growth. But my God, it takes practice. It's not like, oh, let's, we're both going to read a book and now we're going to be great from now on. It's like the actual application is where the rubber hits the road and we have to practice love and we have to um, remind ourselves to do that when we're in a, you know, heated exchange and the ego wants us to be right. We have to remind ourselves, hey, I'm on the path of practicing love here and not uh, being right all the time. The, the beautiful Deborah Bull that we had on 
uh, many episodes ago. Um, my f- my friend of many years, uh, she does the numerology and the tarot and all that stuff. So yeah, in my in my numerology profile, um, relationships is is my karmic area. So that's the area where I was saying to a client the other day, it's like my relationship is like my dojo. It's like my school ground. It's like my the HD is gonna it's, be it's like it's like my meditation mat. It's like my you know, it's 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 where where I, I have to put in the rest of it it's 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 relatively easy now that I have, you know, um uh, removed so many of the impurities and done the work and um but yeah the relationship man it's still it's still every it's a daily practice for me in, in that yeah no because we all have these areas and, and and we don't know so so these books like you know i'm, I'm literally i'll pull up my um google and i'm listening to ram das on relationships on youtube it's like an hour and 30 hour and, hour and a half and it's just sitting there and you know it's it's studying we we don't know so much so we can't just keep moving along and expect ourselves to flourish or our relationships to flourish or you know so many people are hell-bent on getting rich and they invest so much time and energy in stock market courses and real estate courses and how to how to get a side hustle and how to get a passive income how to Imagine applying that same time and energy and money to yourself and your relationships. You'd be rich beyond your wildest dreams. Rich in a much more profound way, right? (laughs) Like rich as in having a loving relationship where you can communicate, you can express yourself, you can hear the other person, you can have great conversations, great sex, all of that. I mean, that's that's the the ultimate investment. I had had a client in tears last night and and he... Hey? What did you do? Oh, well, reveal some truths to him. Uh, <laughs> no, he, he was just, he was doing a, a wonderful job of expressing how he felt. And he's, he's in a th- three monthly maintenance program. And this stuff doesn't come easy to him. That's, that's what people need to understand. Some people take to doing the work like, like a fish to water, and other people, it's like a, a foreign language. And, and he, he's, bless him, he, he's turned up and he's, he, yeah, really, really tried, and he intellectually gets it, but it just he can't seem to to find a way to to apply it. And so he finished a twelve month program, and then he went to three monthly maintenance, which I didn't agree with because because of the inability to to embody it easily. Um, but you know, his client takes their own path, so off he went. He's come back and he's just really in a state and he's thinking about giving up and he's feeling like he's failing mind fit and, you know, I'm just, my heart's breaking with every word he says because you can just hear the distortions. You can can see the suffering he's in and he's crying. He's like, it's so weird. I've got three amazing kids. They sleep. They're, they're, They're happy. They're healthy. I've got a beautiful wife. She's so supportive. She does this for a job. I'm... I'm living on a beautiful property. I've got a great job. I've got a supportive family. I've got all of this stuff, and I just I can't stop this thing from spinning. And uh, I'm like, well, are you meditating? 
No. All right. Well, are you, are you sitting down and listening to a podcast with a pen and paper and taking notes? And no. Okay. Well, are you checking back over your workbook and all the work that we've done? No. Okay. Well, are you noticing what's going on here? There's an expectation that you should be happy and experiencing life in a certain way, but it's like expecting yourself to be rich, but not financially rich, but not going and, and doing a stock market course or a real estate course or anything. Not investing and then going, where's the money going? Yeah, just it's 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 this is a daily thing. You've got to if you if you want the results, you you've got to do the work. There's no there's no shortcuts. Unfortunately, yeah, we've spoken about this before. It's like micro actions for macro payoff. It's like these things, or you might you know sit down on the meditation cushion, and you don't immediately feel better, you know, or you don't you know go down and listen to that one podcast and take notes and don't immediately feel better. Right. And so us human beings were so wide for this immediate gratification. But then we get the pay, the payoff happens later on when all of a sudden in six months' time, maybe we look back and go, Holy shit, I'm so glad <laughs> that I did that stuff daily. It didn't feel like it was mm. doing much at the time and it was these little things. But all of a sudden now I can see the profound difference in my life from where I was six months ago because I've done the things that I know are good for my mental health. So we have to get over the hurdle. It's, mate, it's your famous line. It's like, the hard path to, to happiness. It's like we have mm. to take the, the harder actions in the moment for the for the payoff later on, which we can't don't know when that payoff's going to happen. We have no guarantee that it's going to happen. But every time that I've undertaken that, I've always gone, oh God, thank you, you know, previous Ryan for doing that. <laughs> thank you so much. You know, it's that it's that thing, Melissa, my partner, she always talks about it's like, you know, do something that your future self's gonna thank you for. And so well, like, that's self-love. That that is self-love. It's you're yeah, not doing it for, yeah. for for today's version of you. You're doing it for the version of you that will exist in six I, months. I, I want to feel good now. You know, I've I've got a history with addiction. I know that language. I know that energy. You know, it's the same thing. So I want to meditate and feel good now. What are my thoughts mm-hmm. to go away now? You know, all of that. But man, if you think about that version of you in six months' time, I go, hang on, what's going to be? What are they going to look back and go, fuck yeah? You know, what are they going to be happy with? So, so the definition of madness doing the same thing and expecting different results. Um, it's we are what we repeatedly do, though. Excellence, therefore, is a habit, not an act. We are what we repeatedly do. If you repeatedly get triggered, if you repeatedly turn right instead of left and take the easy path instead of the hard path. If you continuously don't get up and out of bed and get on the meditation mat or go for a walk, or if you don't you know, have a habit of spending time with your partner and, and communicating and, and all of this stuff, you, you get out what you put in. It's, it's all, it's all fucking there. <laughs> it's all- we, we, um, with our relationship, myself and Mal, you know, we uh, don't do this anymore. But early on, we literally scheduled it, you know, in our in our calendars. Um, once a week, we had like an hour, hour and a half set aside where we would literally, you know, talk about our relationship. And we're, we're a bit extreme, but we used to have, I don't know where the fuck I read it, what book it was in. But anyway, not not everybody's up for this, but we would sit down and we'd have this little sheet, like a score sheet. And so it would have all the areas of your life, right? So it's like, you know, um, intimacy or sex, um, you know, money, family, friends, social work. And we'd sit down and, and we'd give ourselves a rating out of 10. Like, how are we going? You know? And then mm-hmm. we'd give the other person a rating out of 10. 
and then we'd sit down and we'd talk about it. And the whole and the and the whole intention was that if someone started getting really emotional, like angry or crying or whatever it was, the other person wasn't to try and fix. Um, wasn't trying to go over and hug them or anything like that. It's like just let the emotion out. And and this was like truth, you know, because you imagine like if I'm like giving myself a nine out of 10 for sex and Mel's giving me a two. <laughs> highly likely, highly likely. <laughs> and, um, uh, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, something about- Baby, do you remember that move I pulled the other night? Do you remember that thing I did, you know? <laughs> She's like, oh, that's a move. <laughs> I thought you had a hammy. <laughs> I thought you had a cramp. <laughs> You're yelling at your own name. <laughs> That's not good. Okay. Um, uh, and, um, and you know, we, we I remember, you know, there was even one instance, and, and her dad, who was old and quite ill at that time, and she gave herself a family a good rating, and I gave her low, and I'm like, you know, you're not going to see your dad to know how much time he's got left and that kind of thing. And she just, you know, started crying. And we had these really, really tough conversations. So we got very used to speaking our truth in front of each mm. other. Um, and, you know, like I said, that's not for everyone, but for us, that's set the tone for a really open and honest relationship. But a relationship is something that you continue to build. Maybe we'll go into this in another podcast because it's, you know, something I'm really interested in. And, you're building it every day. You're sort of adding more stuff and more stuff and more stuff on top of it. Entity that's evolving too, right? As well as us. Yeah, as- but if, if but if there's a shitty foundation, if if there, if there's not that raw, open honesty and respect and trust and constructive, healthy communication, all of the rest of it's yeah, you know, that's going to ripple through everything. So I'm going to go back to my previous master, Michael Singer, here because I love this is one of my his favorite quotes. But he goes, when you get in a relationship to solve a problem of yours, so I'm lonely, I need someone, um, you know, I've got to find someone to look, whatever it is. So if you find someone to try and make up for your perceived deficiencies, then you start that relationship. The whole foundation of that relationship is based on a problem, your problem. And then mm. as that relationship goes along, there's problems and you're surprised and can't believe there's problems and you know, there shouldn't be problems. Like you literally created this relationship on your problem and now you're surprised that it's having problems, <laughs> you know? So that's again, uh, but that's truth, right? And that's a truth that a lot of us, you know, don't want to hear um, in different areas of our life. I'll bring up another relationship here, one to bring it back to old Don Miguel. And he has a great little story and this is a little snippet of it in The Mastery of Love. I'll read the quote and then maybe elaborate on the story a bit. If you take your happiness and put it in someone's hands, sooner or later, she's going to break it. And if you give your happiness to someone else, she can always take it away. Then if happiness can only come from inside of you and is the result of your love, then you are responsible for your happiness. And he talks about in the book, this couple that... They're not a couple. They come together and realize they're both like they love themselves and they're enjoying life. Then they meet up and they're like, hey, I like hanging out with you. This is fun. And they continue to hang out and they form this relationship and they, you know, they maintain that. And then one day, one day, the man says, here, take this. And I think it's like a, he represents it like a star or, or a gold light. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, a goes, star. Can you hold this in your hands? And that is now, that, that was his happiness. So they went from mm. these individuals, you know, enjoying each other's time and living, and then he all of a sudden gave it to her. And as soon as she felt it, like the weight and the pressure of that, 
made her feel so weighed down and horrible and she mm. wasn't sure that she was going to be able to carry it and she couldn't. And this is the foundation of the vast majority of relationships. It's like, here, take my happiness um, and that's yours. So the way that you act, the way that you show up in the world, that's going to determine whether I'm happy or not. Another big one's the, I brought this up on the podcast before, but it's like um, pleasure, like we feel like. Yeah, our- well, just but before you go into that next one, just just unpack that that first one a little bit because I imagine listeners are sitting there going, well, what the fuck else is there? What else can you do? And, and you know, it's it's simple to be happy but it's difficult to be simple uh, all of this is great in theory but the reality and the application is, is is very very difficult and challenging so two people come together they hook up there's mutual likes and there's an energy and there's a connection and, and all that sort of stuff that the, they are going to affect each other the energy of that person will affect the energy of that person the way that that person, you know, none of us, uh, as far as I'm concerned, are, are pure enough to to exist in a relationship without being affected by the other person. You know, they're going to say or do something that does trigger us on some level. So what do we do in those instances? What do we... Communicate. Like it has to be communicated in my experience, like almost immediately, if not immediately, then like really quickly. Because otherwise, and we've spoken about this in relationships in episodes before, otherwise we just, you know, fill up a backpack really, really fast. So we start getting all these little resentments that we don't communicate about and don't resolve. And as we know, they become bigger and then we've got a whole bucket load of them. Then all of a sudden, you know, when, you know, someone, you know, arrives home late or doesn't take the bins out, then all of a sudden all of the baggage starts coming out and and there's massive arguments and real problems in relationships. So you're right. It does sound great in theory, but there are going to be many, many triggers and everything. But if both partners are committed to saying, you know, I accept you and you're not the result of my happiness or unhappiness. Now, I may not accept certain behaviours in in you, and that's probably the distinction to make because one big Mm. thing with me and Mal is if one of us sees a behaviour, either way, we'll bring it up and go, hey, just want to let you know that you acted that way, you know, and and bring that to your attention. And we'll both sort of most of the time we'll kind of own that and go, yeah, you're right. That's a behaviour that I'm committed to not doing. So the the person doesn't feel judged in that moment because of the pre-work that you've done. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or or we'll just say, like, you know, are you feeling judged if one person is defensive? And when we pretty much always we'll just go, yeah, yeah, I am. So it's it's once again, it's truth. You know, it's truth. Yeah. I've spoken about it before. But- Sometimes if we're in an argument, the greatest diffuser of an argument is one of the parties just going, hey, I'm scared. Because that's what's happening. Yeah. Two people are scared, but there's two adults having an argument and being, you know, uh, aggressive, so to speak. But you're both scared at the end of the day. And if you can diffuse the situation with that truth, then you can have a real conversation. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is I really struggle when M is looking at me through distorted lenses and she's seeing me completely differently to how I'm feeling. And then that's when we get into a wrestling match and, and we haven't worked on the communication enough to go, you know, to, to work through that or to resolve that. So yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. And having, having all of this, you know, wisdom available is is so beneficial. But once again, it's all useless unless people use it. Yeah, yeah. What we'll do a lot is like if we find that there's a there's filters that aren't 
are both seeing the same thing, then we'll just go, okay, look, this is how I, this was my intention and why I did that and why I said it in that way. And this is what I thought, how I thought you were. Please tell me how you saw the situation, right? And then we'll start to understand the differences. And more, more often than not, we either find a place in the middle or one of us will go, oh, okay, well, I thought you were doing that because you were being a bitch, but you weren't, <laughs> you know, because that's the ego, right? The ego is like, oh, they're doing that to hurt me or doing that to inconvenience my life. Why don't they mm-hmm. understand me? You know, all of that. So it's like there's all these little techniques and it's all trying to get to the one place is the truth. And the truth is that two parties are going to see situations different most of the time. Oh, no, well, I was just going to say, no two people in the world are so aligned that there's no difference. That's just- That'd be the most boring relationship in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine very- agreeing about everything, oh. seeing everything the same way. Oh. <laughs> to be very beige, but so it's it's really important when, um, yeah, as you just put it, when it went to 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 put everything down and just sort of, I think the biggest key is listening with the intent to understand instead of to respond. In instead of if you're listening to respond, you know that the ego's up and about, you know, it's, it's trying to defend and get itself in there and, and, um, you know, and manipulates in a, in a literal sense, not a, not a derogatory sense, but trying to manipulate what's going on. And that's an interesting one. I was thinking of it when, when, M looks at me through a distorted lens. I do try and manipulate her perception, but I'm trying to manipulate it back into reality or, or, or reality. Where, yeah, where I'm coming from. Um, so, yeah, it's, that's fun. Yeah. And there's always this like dance of the masculine and feminine energy as well, which is meant to happen in a relationship. And one thing I have to learn is. Like as soon as I hear anyone describe anything that might be perceived as a problem, my brain automatically is like trying to work out a solution and the ABC steps to get to that solution. <laughs> and um, and for me, it's just completely letting go because uh, a lot of you know that feminine energy like doesn't want the solution most of the time or just wants to feel heard and seen. And so now I'll, I'll always women don't want us to fix all their problems. Apparently not. Newsflash! Wow. <laughs> And so now I'll, I'll ask, you know, it's like, I'll hear something, I'll, I'll ask, and then if I, I'll just sort of wait. And if she doesn't say anything, I'm like, okay, do you want me to help with that? Or you just want me to he- hear you? Look, and she goes, no, nah, just hear me. I'm like, okay. And then, yeah. you know, and, but sometimes she'll go, no, nah, I actually need, what would you do in this situation? And you know, yeah. then we can go from there. So, because otherwise, yeah, I've done that in every other relationship. It's kind of like, you know, I'd never say this, but the energy is like, shut up, stop your whinging, let's solve the problem, I'll do it, let's go A, B, and C, <laughs> you know. The funny thing is M has a masculine energy and, and I have a feminine energy, you know, doing what I do, I'm a great listener, I'm empathetic, I'm compassionate and all this, but doing what M does for a living as a therapist, she's very hands-on, she's very right, that's from there, that's from there, go and do this, that'll be there. So both of our work carries into our personal lives as it does yeah. and, and has a, has a, creates this very interesting dynamic, which if we're not mindful of and aware of, then... Um, yeah, it can, it can cause a lot of conflict and, and contraction. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, the awareness is key because if you're both, especially if you're both in a, you know, that's what I find because Mel, she has, she's a very confident, strong woman, so she can go into the masculine. So we kind of be aware of that because if we're both in that, we just start butting heads. 
Like, <laughs> you know, that's the way. I've said, to him, I've said to him, get out of the masculine for a while, will you? Just just, yeah. just get out of it. I'm in here. It's not your turn. It's my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, and that's the dance, like this. Yeah. 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 Uh, I love it. All right, let's, let's, I'll finish up with some more Dom Miguel. Let's have a look here. Yeah. So, yeah, just the, I, I wasn't going on to a different point at the end of what I was saying. I was just talking about the, like, the pleasure aspect as well. It is a, when a lot of us have a partner, it's like, if their, um, you know, their pleasure is like has to be a result of us. I'm not just I'm talking about sexual pleasure here. I'm just talking about you know, like if we're we're at a wedding and there's an old friend and she's dancing with a guy and that, and then if if I've a lot of us will feel like oh that should be me. She's having too much fun dancing with that guy. And once again, that's just the ego being kicked up and wanting to have ownership, you know, of another person. Uh, nothing that your partner does is personal. Your partner is dealing with his or her own garbage. I love just how he's just straight to the point, just garbage, parasite. I love it. Um, <laughs> you don't take it personally. It will be so easy for you to have a wonderful relationship with your partner. Very true. Life is nothing but a dream. And if we are artists, then we can create our life with love and our dream becomes a masterpiece of art. Love it. Love it. So for me, what's what's coming through is is the stock standard woke blokes do the work. It just always comes back to doing the work. It's don't have expectations. If you if you want things to be run smoothly and to feel wonderful and connected and joyous and and you know all of that stuff, you've got to learn what your deficiencies are first and foremost and you got to learn how to improve on those deficiencies and how to <coughs> work on yourself first and 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 you know the the focus needs to be on you and and your reactions and and what is going on within you and then the other person their responsibility to the relationship is to do their work on themselves and so go and sit for an hour or two a week with a Don Miguel, listen to the audio book on your way to work and on your way home. Um, you know, read the book together in bed. You know, that's something Em and I did. Um, and we get to stop and go, oh, what are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? You know, so and that's 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 connecting, it's it's nurturing, it's nourishing. So yeah, a lot of people just fall into the trap of having these expectations and so true. Work out. I love that. I love the, the the reading together and discussing it. It's just, it's it's it is really connecting. This is another quote here as well. I, I like this. Children just feel emotions, and their reasoning mind doesn't interpret or question them. This is why children accept certain people and reject other people. Because one of the things when we start to go into this work, when we talk about acceptance and releasing expectations of others, the one trap that I see the most is that people then either fall into this or think this is going to happen in that they're just going to accept everything that happens to them. So they become a very uh, passive uh, you know, person in life and they'll, you know, stay in a shitty relationship or they'll, you know, accept certain crap at work or, you know, friends who they feel obligated to see. And it's like, it's not about that at all. It's like, like the, that children analogy there, like um, I was catching up on my, uh, my mate and his kid that, Tommy and him are doing Oz kick together on a Saturday morning and um his party's coming up and he just uh they said something about a kid at his at his kinder. And he goes, oh, I don't want him coming, I don't like him. And because they just he plays too rough or whatever. 
And so he just doesn't want him to come to his party. And so that's what I see with Tommy as well. So if they just don't like someone or they don't get along or whatever, they just don't hang out with them. They just go hang out with someone else. And I never hear them talking crap about that person unless they're directly brought up like they're coming over. They're not starting a, a fucking group chat on WhatsApp talking shit about that person. <laughs> they don't care. They just focus on what's happening in the moment and what they want to do. So like when we start to do this work, it's not we're not this passive person who just lets stuff happen to us. You know, if there's a friend who we're like, you know, all of a sudden I'm just I'm not enjoying hanging out with them. They're maybe not treating me that well. Then I just say goodbye. I don't get angry. I don't get defensive. I just choose to spend my most precious commodity, my time and attention on something else. And then we do that. And once again, that's all of a sudden looking after ourselves and being in charge of our own destiny and not at the whims of other people. Mm. Thanks, Don Miguel, for bringing up all these great points. And and when you describe Don Miguel as the, as the childlike nature and that sort of thing we've spoken about that before and it's it's not a on a maturity level it's it's not a just just have tantrums and you know be like that it is it is that living in a state of wonder and you know the the ability to see things repeatedly but like it's the first time that you're seeing and like that's you know that's so difficult because our, our adult minds just at at, at it's like at the start, it's like, wow, and then it's like, wow, wow, oh, yeah, and it just sort of fades. So uh, cultivating a mind that could keep things bright and fresh, you know, is, is stunning. So mm. It doesn't matter how much you love someone, you're never going to be what that person wants you to be. <laughs> <laughs> it, it makes me think uh, another story has, it might be in the Mastery of Love, but it's one that's always stuck with me. Um, once again, about being able to see things from other people's perspectives. And he talks about going into a big theater complex um, movies and there's all these different cinemas. And you're like, oh, I'm going to go into this first cinema. And he sits down to, to watch the movie and he starts watching the movie and he's like, oh, there's my mom, my dad, my brother, my friends. Like, oh, this is my life. You know, I'm watching a movie of my life. And then there's only one other person in the cinema sitting there watching in front of him. And he watches it. He goes, yep, that's how mum is. That's how dad is. Yeah, everyone, this scene, this is my life. And then he looks at the person in the theater and it's him. So he's kind of watching his own life and how it works. He's like, that's interesting. And he gets up and he goes into the next cinema, sits down, watches the movie. He's like, oh, yeah, there's um, our dad and my brother. Oh, there's me. I'm not kind of looking through my eyes. I'm there. And he's like, this is weird. He goes, that's not the way I am. And that's like not the way dad is. That's a weird thing. And then he looks in the cinema and it's his mum. Right, mm. his mum's watching her life, and all the characters in the movie—they're the same characters, but they're acting very differently to him because we have different perceptions. And he goes to the next theater, and his dad—it's all the same. And he's like, "That's so weird." It's like all of the characters can be the same, but you know, and even the mummy—I think he goes, "My mum doesn't act like that," but that's the way she sees herself and her mm. opinions of herself, and it's all very, very different, even to those that we spend the most time around and we love, let alone acquaintances people we walk past in the street so it's it's such a beautiful analogy to understand that we've all got a different view of reality you know we all see ourselves differently the way everyone else sees us one, one thing i heard of ages ago it's like there's different versions of you exist in the minds of every person that knows you and you know it's great to know you know we're not well, everyone's, everyone's got their own filters and lenses and processes and and yeah that's what i was alluding to before so something i've got to keep working on is when someone's perception of me is very, very different 
um, to, to my perception of myself. So <clears throat> if I'm walking to their movie theater and watching their live movie and there I am on the screen and they're looking at me, you know, and, and it doesn't paint a very good picture of that's, that's their stuff. And it's, it's got nothing to do with me. So that's where you've got to stay grounded enough within yourself to, to go, I, I know who I am authentically where I am and where I come from. And, and if other people can't see that, well, so be it. Yeah. So be it. So be it. So be it. I just think, as you said that, I just, I imagined all, because I've had it before, like so much, you know, where maybe someone does say something and, uh, you know, telling you that you're maybe not doing something the right way, or maybe you should do something different and your inner voice isn't strong enough to be, to, uh, uh, you know, kind of drown out those outside voices. Then you think about it then you start getting angry at them in your head. And then I imagine like all the people all around the world kind of doing that in this moment and all of that energy that's sort of out in the world at the minute, just, oh, I can't believe they said that, you know, bastard. Hope they fall off their bike on the way home, you know, all of that. Kind uh, of- in, in my head, like I've got energy, people, right? in, in my head, I've got people going, oh, you know, I wouldn't be here without you and, and marriage wouldn't be together and a kid wouldn't have been born without you. And, you know, there's all such a, a, a positive experience of Nick, which you sort of get conditioned to. But then on the weekend, you know, Em, em had some friends up for Mother's Day and, and this, and and I had I'd had three three bad nights sleep in a row, and I turned up, and I probably wasn't vibing with them, wasn't in there, and I might have been a might have said something, but their interpretation was real. It was like, oh, Nick, Nick was Nick was a bit controlling there, and that triggered me. That was like. I'm not controlling. I'm just going about my thing. I was, I was just doing this. I was actually thought I was I was the opposite. I thought I was pretty loose and whatever. Um, but you gotta you gotta remember that they've got M's best interests at heart. They're they've got a protective sort of energy going on there. If if anyone they've got these parameters of what they'd like their friends to be experiencing and and if they perceive anything outside of that, you know, and then it's it's revealed to you, you're like, what the actual fuck? Like that's well, that's and but because of you know the work I've still got to do on, on that part of the ego being loved and liked, it's it sort of it does get triggered and it does get flared up, and you're walking around and go, No, oh, I'm not fucking controlling, and then you become controlling because you try and that's you, you try and manipulate, you try and change their narrative, and so you become exactly what, what you're trying to fight against, what, what they said you were. <laughs> yeah, it's such a so ironic, <laughs> that is so ironic. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. All right, should we wrap it up? Yep. All right. So, yeah, for those interested in John McGill's work, uh, Ruiz's work, Nick read out some of the book titles. Obviously, The Four Agreements is his most popular one. The Mastery of Love is my favorite, but check out all of them. Um, Fifth he- Agreements. Um, yeah, the three questions. That's interesting. Yeah, but But you don't – don't try and read them because you think you should or because you got to fix anything, you know, really get curious about it and just come into contact with it and see what happens. You know, don't go into it with a, a desire to do anything. Just, just come into contact with the knowledge. If it, if it's meant for you and it resonates, keep going. If it doesn't, you know, try something else. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'm trying to, I'm remembering, you know, reading a lot of his material for the first time. And I remember the vibe that I had because they're quite short books and, there's not many wasted words. And I just remember him. It's kind of like he had this vibe, like you'd read a passage and go, 
I know that. Like I know that, but I kind of forgot it. <laughs> you know, it's like it's just a kind of even stuff that I'd heard for the first time, like, yeah, I know that, but I'm not applying that, you know? So it was yeah. like yeah. a half remembering process. Yeah, um, it's a refreshing. Yeah, refresher. It's a refresher. Yeah, it's like pressing control R on your on your laptop. It just refreshes the page and brings it all back. So um yeah, it's it's just incorporating it into your life. It's not, you know, you don't have to work on your relationships. You 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 work on yourself and that filters into the relationship, but you can spend time together in the relationship. Um learning and opening and exposing yourself to all this stuff and you know, reading the book in bed that's that doesn't have to to feel like hard work yeah enjoy the exploration yeah there you go there we go all right people we'll see you all next week for master series number four nick who knows who he's going to pull out who knows jesus Ooh. sorry maybe right maybe ryan hassan oh god an ascended master yeah <laughs> Oh, I love it how you just break out the vat for that one. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five-star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time.